0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. There have been some requests for sermon notes during our sermons, so we went ahead and worked on that this week, and you can get those now if you go to their URL on the computer and you go to wintonchurch.org sermons, and you will find that information there. You can print them out. That way you can follow along with us this morning. This morning I want to talk about our faith again and putting more emphasis on our faith as opposed to our fear. I'd like you now to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 through 7 says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And again, like I said, I want us to talk a little bit more about our faith and how, especially in the times that we're going through, how do we focus on that? How do we get away from the fearful things that are being fed to us? What are we supposed to do while we sit and wait? Well, I've had moments of fear in my life. Perhaps you have too. Have any of you been afraid that your company from whom you work for may close? And some of you may even be experiencing that now. Or perhaps that you would lose your job? Have you ever been afraid that you wouldn't have anything to eat? Have you ever been afraid of going to the dentist or the doctor? Have you ever been afraid of the x-rays or the CT scans or the MRIs and what they might reveal? You see, the global unrest that we're experiencing and the shakiness of our once robust economy is certainly cause for concern. But we don't have to feed the fear. We need to feed our faith. And David says it perfectly in Psalm 56, three: Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Paul writes a letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. At this time, it was difficult for ministry in the life of Timothy and Paul, who was obviously in prison. Timothy, who was having trouble in the church at Ephesus where he was serving... And of course, Paul was in prison. So the letters of First and Second Timothy here are God's words of encouragement when we face fearful times. So when we face times of fear, you may not be afraid now because you have your hundred rolls of toilet paper or your box of ramen noodles, but when we do face fear, we must learn how to feed our faith and not our fears. How do we do that? First, your feed your faith with the thorough and thoroughness of the will of god second timothy chapter 1 verse 1 paul an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god you see everything paul did since his conversion was because of the will of god for his life and it's the same for us nothing happens to us but what God knows about it in advance. Mark Lowry says, Did it ever occur to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? He knows about it before it ever happens, and he allows it for his good and for his glory. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That leads into our second point here, and we're going to go through through these quickly, so just hang on with me. The second point I want us to know, is through the way of the Son. The way of Jesus is life. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He offers life by his grace. Of course, it's undeserved forgiveness and justification and mercy, deliverance from sin and the death that we deserve and it gives us peace. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And also Colossians 3, 4, when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I want to tell you today that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you will repent of your sin and believe that Jesus died on the cross in your place for your law breaking and believe he was buried and rose to life, you can be saved. You can never feed your faith if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John 5.11 And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. John MacArthur says, the apostle wanted his son in the faith to continually live in divine mercy, the inexpressible blessing of deliverance from the misery that sin deserves and creates. He also wanted Timothy to continue in full peace of mind and of heart. The inner tranquility produced by divine grace and mercy. He wanted Timothy to have the best that God, the Father, and Christ, Jesus our Lord, offer to redeemed sinners. Isn't that a blessing? Grace to cover sin. Mercy to overrule misery. And peace to dominate life. We also get this through the worth of friends. 2 Timothy Chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 discusses this. It says I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. You see, Timothy was valuable to Paul as a son in the faith and a partner in ministry. You can tell that because of the apostle's prayers for Timothy. Paul spoke with authority to Timothy. Hey, it's great to have friends who will pray with you and with you, but godly friends are definitely, definitely valuable to us. Let me ask you, do the people you consider to be your friends help or hinder in your service to the Lord? If they hinder you, you need to get some new friends. You feed your faith with that kind of friends you have. If you have godly friends... They will help you to be a godly person. But if you have carnal, worldly friends, well, let me, let me illustrate this. There's a story, it says the band, he was, says he was 10 years old and my brother Larry got the mumps. My brother Kurt got the mumps. So I thought I would just hug and love on my brothers as they would catch my wellness. Well, guess what? He got the mumps. Proverbs 12.26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Look at verse 4 in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. You see, Paul here was referring to the last time Timothy saw him. And it was likely shortly after Paul's letter to Timothy and just before his arrest at Nicopolis and before his journey to Rome. Timothy was probably like the believers at Ephesus when Paul left. They loved him and hated to see him go. Acts twenty thirty six And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to you, feed your faith with godly friends, who will encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Verse 5 in Timothy here says when i call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother lois and your mother eunice i am persuaded in you also timothy's mother and grandmother were great influences in his life why was that it's because they worshiped and they served the lord they had an evident faith that was on display for timothy to see it was a great example for him We don't know anything about Timothy's dad. He may have died or he may not have been a believer. We just don't know. But we do know that Eunice and Lois worshipped the Lord. They served God and Timothy witnessed that. I don't know about you, but for me, if I'm witnessing something godly, if I'm witnessing something that God is placing before me, I take notice of that. We need to take notice of those things. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. We need to be aware. Of what God is placing before us. Even in the current pandemic. God is giving us a great opportunity. To worship. To serve. To even though we are facing trials. God still loves us. God still takes care of us. God still wants to do great things even through this thing. We need to recognize that. And most importantly. Parents who are home with your children, they need to see you worshiping and calling on God during these difficult times. You feed your faith with family worship. And in through the work of the ministry, we read in uh, verse 6 here Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. The idea of this laying of, on the hands may have referred to the day when Timothy got saved or perhaps when he was called into the ministry. Either way, Paul had an impact on his life and he was considered a fellow laborer with Paul. What a legacy we could leave for our children when we call upon the Lord and worship him, especially in times of crisis And calamity. I don't know if you've been hearing the news or seeing. But there is a multitude of individuals coming to Christ through all of this. And we look back through the Bible. We've seen when major events happen and there's a big change. There's several individuals that come to Christ. They come to know him. But they're doing it out of fear. Which is fine. Whatever way it takes to get them to the Lord I'm for it, but I'm not about feeding that fear. I'm not about using fear as a tactic to bring them to the Lord. I'm not looking to sell them fire insurance. I'm looking for them to build a genuine relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ that is lasting, not because of some pandemic or some horrific event that causes them to worry and think, Oh, well, I guess I'd better get to it. We should already be doing it. We don't need God to send some calamity to us for us to get right. We should be doing it now. By the way, I believe Paul is addressing Timothy not only as a son in faith, but as a God-called preacher of the gospel. And it's through the witness of the Spirit God can do anything. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. The word translated fear is not the normal Greek word for fear, which is phobos. We get our word phobia from that word, but the word here is, is delalia. It is only used here as a means of timid, cowardly, shameful fear that is generated by weak, selfish character. The Lord is never responsible for our cowardice. Let me repeat that. The Lord is never responsible for our cowardice, our lack of confidence, or our being shameful of him. We put that on ourselves. When we lack faith, all those things creep in, and they creep in, and then they stay there because we don't focus on the right things here. If you're cowardly in the faith, that's not because of God. Because God has given us everything. We need to follow him in faith. But what has God given us? God has given us power. God has given us love. And he has given us discipline. When we are shaky in our faith, it's because we're focusing on ourselves. Instead of on the Lord. Ephesians one eighteen The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know that this is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. What it's referring to here is love. And when I say love, it's not the filio, which we've learned about, but is agape love. It's the kind of love that God has given us. And we talk about sound mind. This has the literal meaning of a secure and sound mind, but it also carries the additional idea of a self-controlled, self-disciplined, and property-prioritized mind. Let me tell you a story about this. Dr. W.A. Criswell had an unusual experience in his life. Some of the men in his church asked Mr. Yousef Karsh to come to Dallas to make a portrait photograph of him for his 35th anniversary as pastor of the First Baptist Church there. Mr. Karsh was the most famous portrait photographer in the world at that time. A large book of Karsh's photos, Faces of Destiny, has his photographs of Albert Einstein, Albert Schweitzer, Winston Churchill, Ernest Hemingway, Pablo Picasso, John Kennedy, and many presidents of the United States. He was born in Armenia, Turkey, and his studio was in New York City. As Dr. Criswell visited Mr. Karsh, he asked him who, out of all the great men and women on earth that he has photographed, what would he select as the greatest of all? Dr. Criswell thought he might say Winston Churchill or perhaps Albert Einstein, but he said, out of all the people whom I have worked in photography far and above, the greatest to me was Helen Keller. Dr. Criswell asked in puzzlement, Helen Keller. He replied, yes, Helen Keller. She was blind and deaf. The only way to reach her was through the sensitivity of the fingers on her hands. Karsh replied, one cannot describe the beauty of her character and the gentleness of her spirit. I haven't gotten over that yet, he said. He's comparing that woman to Winston Churchill. To Albert Einstein, Dwight Eisenhower, to the greatest men and women of the world, a handicap, he says, is a compliment from God. And just like our truth today in the notes, the truth today comes from Yousef Karsh. He says, character, like a photograph, develops in darkness. We may be in a dark time. Not just for our country, but for the world. Stay close to Jesus. Whatever you think about what's happening, regardless of whose fault it might be, God has allowed this to happen in his will. The way of the Son in life is Jesus Christ. The worth of our friends are valuable to us. So let's worship as a family. As we are able, let's do the work of the ministry. Just because we cannot meet here in person, and it's been, what, six weeks now? My, how things fall apart fast in six weeks. They fall apart because we feed into that fear. We don't have to be in person to be doing the work of God. We can be doing it from our homes, You know, we're finding ways to do ministry. We're we're allowing the kids to go out and do things during Easter, putting the, the eggs and the crosses in the yard. Little acts like that let us know that we're loved. That's ministry. A simple phone call to a family member, a call to a church family member, checking up on them, how are you doing in this time of crisis? That goes a long way. This is what God has called us to do, even in times of darkness. As we are able, let's do the work of that ministry. Let's do the work because we can do that because the witness of the Spirit in our lives is one of power, love, and discipline. We need to feed our faith, not our fear. Deuteronomy one six. Be strong and have good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord is your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. If that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. But I want to leave you this morning with one final thought. And that is to consider all of this, and I mean all of it, the struggle we're going through, The uncertainty that we don't know what's going to happen the next day. Are we going to be able to open up the country? Is our economy ever going to bounce back? I want you to consider that this is all joy. And you may ask me, how in the world do we do that? You see, God uses many different kinds of trials in our lives to, to mold us, to awaken us, to mature us, and to make us Christ-like people scripture clearly teaches us that God creates both light and darkness peace and calamity but though only for his good James 1 2-4 consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Why should we consider the trials in our lives all joy? The answer is simple. It's because we know what trials can accomplish in us as Christians. We are being tested so that we might look more like Christ in terms of patience, endurance, In short, we are being tested so that we might become more mature and complete with a pure and undefiled faith. We go through testing so that we might not lack anything because we know that trials produce joy. Our Christian joy is produced by the Holy Spirit and is not dependent on circumstances. There is actual joy in the heart and life of a person during the most intense and unpleasant trials because the Spirit is within us. Joy is also a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, and if you've been a believer very long, you've experienced this. You see, it is the strength that God gives us that helps us endure With joy. Jesus had to endure the suffering on the cross. Yet he did so because of the joy that was set before him. It was by looking to the ultimate position that it would be his that he was able to endure the cross. Since he looked forward with joy to what was beyond this suffering, we must also do the same. This will be a fleeting thing. We've gone through similar, simil- similar situations in life. The world has gone through similar circumstances. When you're passing through the fire of these circumstances, consider it all joy. Welcome the various and diverse trials as old friends that you know. Know that it is Christ himself... Who is working out his great plan in your life, and that nothing can separate you from his love? He is only working spiritual fruit in you so that you might mature and be complete, and in turn, you might enjoy him more. That is the purpose. I know that we're at home, and I know that we're depressed, we're uncertain. We want to point fingers. We want to blame political parties. We want to pass the buck so that it almost justifies what we're doing at home. But know this. God is still on his throne. God still heals and God still saves, even in the midst of a pandemic. I know we're sick and tired of talking about it. Like I said, it's been, what, six weeks since we've met together? But know that we also worship in spirit. We are always together because we are one in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that love, and if you don't know Christ Jesus as your personal Savior, friends, I pray you pick up a phone and you call somebody who does. Let him talk to you about the love. Let him talk to you about the things that he has done for their life and what he can do for yours. Don't give up. God has has this handle too. He will take care of you. He will never forsake you. That is the wonderful thing about all this, is that we can rely upon the promises of God. And I will tell you this, he's kind of like UPS, FedEx, and the mail service. He always, always delivers. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this new day. Though I don't know all the challenges I'll face, or that we will face, I know you will be with us, and you are our hope. You are our strength. You give us wisdom, and we seek your perspective in your word. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting or lonely today, that you will come and comfort them. I pray for those that are ill, that you will heal them. I pray for those who are concerned about what may come in the next uncertain hours and days and months, and that you will grant them a peace as they trust you and you alone. Thank you for being our safe haven and our refuge because of the work of Christ and of the Holy Spirit working within us, Lord. And as we continue through this day, help us to look upon your face because you are our overcomer we need to find strength in you Lord I give you my worries and fears and every struggle and I ask that you transform our thinking and as we focus on the things that are excellent and praiseworthy and also our thoughts that will honor and please you Lord I pray that my mind and my heart will not be shaken by circumstances but that I will lean hard into your presence Your peace, your purpose, your provision and power. Thank you for being our hope and strength today, even when we can't find it within ourselves. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing and what you will do in the midst of this crisis. And when it's all said and done, you will get the glory, and that will be a glorious day. Lord, We give you the rest of this day, the rest of this week, the rest of this hour, the rest of this year, and so on and so on. Lord, you are worthy of everything. We are worthy of nothing. But we thank you for your love and your patience with us. Help us to continue to fight and put our trust in you. And it's in your name that we pray this morning. Amen.